Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we will be breaking down the Pacific Division, and turns out maybe we should have started with this one because uh, there was a couple signings this week in the uh, Central Division, which of course we already broke down last week, so if you want to hear what we had to say about all the Central Division teams, go listen to last week, but we will touch on two of the signings that happened, one really quick, and that's uh, the most Colorado Avalanche signing of all time. Spoiler alert, and this probably shouldn't be a spoiler to anyone, we are much higher than on the Avs than anyone else in that division. And I really love this Evan Rodriguez signing. One year, $2 million. Instead of paying Kadri the seven mil or whatever he got for long term, um, what they decided to do instead was pay Lekkonen four and a half and Evan Rodriguez two and, and try and replace the value they're going to lose from Kadri in an aggregate. And I really like that line of thinking because it keeps flexibility long-term. Sure, Kadri's probably worth $7 million this year, but not in seven years. And, and that's where, or six, five, six years even. And that's where I think the abs kind of knew it. So I really love this signing. This is a cheap one-year deal for Evan Rodriguez to prove last year was legit. And for Rodriguez too, what better place to prove that you were legit than the best team in the uh, league? Yeah, this seems perfect all around. He, uh, he expected a payday. I assume he expected a, mm-hmm. like a four by four or something. Didn't get one, which kind of shocked me, but uh, he better next year. Yeah. I think, yeah if he, he it up. I think if he doubles down, he can get that. Um, uh, who Dallas give the four by four to. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. He was going to go to Carolina this off season and then switch to Dallas was from Florida. Marchman. Yes. That's who they gave four by four to, right? Yeah, they gave him 4.5, but yeah. Something okay, nice. yeah, sorry. I could see a similar contract for that for Evan Rodriguez if he doubles down on what he did last year and, you know, is a solid middle six guy who puts up a bunch of points. Exactly, and Rodriguez kind of had a split season, but this is so cheap, even if he's who he was in the second half of the season, it's still an amazing contract. Yep, exactly, and it'll just provide more depth for this team. So um, the other contract, much bigger than that, uh, Jordan Cairo signs an eight-year extension, 8.125. Uh, the exact same deal that um, uh, why am I being horrible with names? I've been studying the Pacific Division. I've completely Thomas. forgot about the Central. Robert Thomas, thank you. Uh, same deal that Robert Thomas got earlier this offseason. Um, do you have a preference between Kyrie or Thomas? Or who you think's better? Or do you think they're like equal range kind of thing? I haven't watched them enough to hold this very, very strongly, but statistically Thomas has a decent little edge. He's also a year younger. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like the Thomas deal better, but honestly, I think this Cairo contract makes sense in all of the ways that the Stuzzle contract made sense. There's just a lot more certainty with Cairo. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Both of them are on $2.8 million steals this year, both Thomas and Kyrou, and then both jump to 8.125 starting next year. So that'll be a big cap adjustment they're going to have to adjust for. Um, they do have Ryan O'Reilly, 7.5 coming off, and Vladimir Tarasenko, 7.5 coming off. So there's immediately the funds for them, but obviously I think they would like to keep their captain, Ryan O'Reilly. Kind of seems like Tarasenko's a goner, but... Um, They'll definitely have some money to work with, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. So, um, yeah, I don't have much to say about the contract either. I think that uh, um, Kyra's a, a very solid player. Like, you're uh, you're not going to complain that he's on your team for eight more years, that's for sure. Exactly, and he's he's still young. This, this makes all the sense in the world instead of giving your 31-year-olds those six-year deals. 
Yep. Starts when he's 25. So it'll be over when he's 32, 33. And, you know, obviously maybe that's a year or two later than you'd like, but honestly, I think we've seen enough 32 guys play till they're 32 and be decent at it, that you're very okay. Where even if one or two of the years don't work out, you're still fine with that because you got five plus of really good hockey. Exactly. And Kyra's play driving numbers scare me a little bit, but all the micro stats have loved him for forever. And he's been an on ice goal driver the entire time he's been in the league. So he should be able to outrun that, or at least he's a pretty good bet too. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was just trying to pull him up and see if we had him anywhere on our list this year for players at their position. He would have been on the wingers list. So I doubt it, but yeah, I'm not seeing him, but um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't have much more to say. I think it's a good good deal for both sides. Two deals that I think are signed that I, I really kind of understand it from both sides because I, I do think getting $66 million or whatever it is for Kyrie is a pretty good deal as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, all right, let's start with our division preview then, shall we? Absolutely. All right, so the Pacific Division, um, again, like if you didn't listen to Central, definitely go do that, but um, Pacific divisions, a lot more open, I think, and a lot more intriguing than maybe the central was. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see how this one plays out. I think this one has one of the more higher ranges of outcomes. It kind of reminds me of the Metro a lot too, where the Metro would, you could tell me there's a lot of teams in almost any order. And I probably wouldn't be shocked given if like one or two injuries happen one way or the other, um, the Pacific isn't quite as aggressive of that as that, but there are a bunch of teams I could see moving up and down this division, depending how it shakes out. Yeah, there's three teams that could absolutely roll the division, and I wouldn't even be surprised. And there's seven that could make the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I. That's interesting. I, so I have maybe six that would make the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. There's two I'm not sold on. And the one, so we'll start with the bottom tier, and that's rebuilding. San Jose is my last. I have San Jose coming last in this division. Yeah, me too. There is nothing inspiring about this team. There's not even youth to look forward to like there is on some of the other not great teams in this division. Yeah, um, like just, it's it's why keeping Thomas Hurdle will never make any sense to me. Um, you know, like Hurdle, Couture, Timo Meyer. That's a good three to start with, but then it drops off a cliff from there. You go like Luke Kunin, Oscar Lindblom, Alex Barbanov, Nick Bonino, Nico Sturm. Like, yeah, it's a, just ugly so fast. I just named a bunch of fine bottom six forwards, and three of those guys are going to have to play in their top six. They're, yeah, they're a team with a first line and a bottom nine, and their first line's not even that good. No, it's just like, yeah, like Couture is 33 now and is taking a step back. I like Hurdle and Meyer, but even both of them are not like they're not like absolute different maker difference makers, you know? Yeah, like I wouldn't even be in today's NHL, you don't even want to have a bottom nine if your top line is the Matthews Marner line. Never mind uh Hurdle and Meyer are your showstoppers. Like they're yeah. great players, but that's just very unfair to them. Yeah, you're just kind of asking them to do a lot. Like for example, like Hurdle came in at 19th on your center list. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, exactly. And I had Timo Meyer 19th on my wingers list. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, you had well, an honorable straight for mention. him. But, like, yeah. yeah oh, Kyra was an honorable mention, too, just going back to that now that I'm looking at it for you. Um, but, yeah. Sense. So it's, um, 
It's just a bleak team because then anyway, you get to the defense core. I like that they moved off of Brent Burns. That's that's a, that's a good move. But you know, for looking at just this season, they have Carlson, Vlasic, Mario Ferraro, Radom Simic, Marcus Nudavara, Matthew Benning, and Jacob Magna. Like they've just got a bunch of guys who are like twenty six plus, and most of them aren't great at hockey. Exactly, and even like Carlson, Carlson kind of rebounded, but even a rebounded Carlson's in a similar spot to Meyer, where it's like, yeah, he's a nice piece and all, but if that's your, if that's your blue chip, you're screwed. Yeah, and then Kevin LeBlanc, I missed him up front because he's on IR, but like oh, again, yeah. well, LeBlanc's all right, but yeah, but if that's yeah. your savior as your fourth best forward, it's like the dude just put up twenty eight points in fifty five games last year. Like, let's chill. Yeah, sorry, six bad. and 21. He was hurt all last year, too. So, like, yeah, yeah. And even so. like their one big hope for upside, like Acklin got a got a sniff in the NHL last year, but he really struggled in the SHL. So, it's it's pretty unlikely that he's going to come up and contribute in any meaningful way because that could be like the one bright spot, right? Yeah. And like, I think you'd probably just rather than stay in the NHL to start because this roster sucks. Like, you don't yeah, want to play, eight, you don't want them playing 82 games with this trash. Yeah, I'd way rather stash him in the AHL for now. Give him first oh. line, first power play, all that. Yeah, and then the net, they have Capo Kacken and James Reimer. I'm like, James Reimer had a sneaky good start oh. of the year last year, but it's just, you know, sorry, I think people heard Chase's dog there. <laughs> uh, Walked but, up right to the mic, too. <laughs> he knew exactly uh, what he was doing there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like James Reimer had a sneaky good start to the year last year, but he's 34 and he's like a 1B at best this point. And then you have Capo Kakinen, who had played eight good games in his career and has been coasting off of that. So, yeah. And it's, and if they're bad, it's honestly probably best for the team. I have the notes next to them as like, they probably sh- won't tank, but they really should. Oh, they're going to tank by accident because those teams just not going to be good. Yeah, and maybe they do know it with because they moved off Burns, so maybe they are aware. Yeah, I think some of that or is just did, oh my god, look at all these contracts. But did this regime sign Hurdle? I think so. Uh no, okay. no, 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 no. Never mind. They just because they just hired um, uh, career career in the off season. Yeah, because if and it wasn't they, this regime signing Hurdle, then there's a very good chance they do know they're bad. Yeah, so I'm like 90% sure they either had Hurdle sign or he was a UFA, basically, and they were like, well, what are our choices? Because we can't, we don't really want to lose him for nothing. Yeah. Which, when when your team's this bad, if Hurdle sells 12% or even 3% more tickets, fine. But like, sure, I guess. Yeah, whatever. You need to pay someone in five years when all those other awful contracts are off the books. So I guess they have so little cap space for a team that's this horrible. Yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy, but I mean that's when you're paying Carlson eleven and a half to be a number two defenseman. You're paying Vlasic was it six and a half to be a non NHL defenseman? Like even Couture making I think eight million dollars. He's not. I don't think he's an eight million dollar player anymore. Is he? No, and it was great they got off Burns, but they're paying Burns like a number four defenseman not to play for them. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, this team is going to be bad, but I think, yeah, I think their fans expect them to be bad, and I think it kind of does seem like their management probably expects them to be bad, which is the best thing for them because they they desperately need top picks. Yeah, everybody kind of knows who they are at this point, and the markets have them like six points worse than the next worst team in the division. Everyone's kind of aligned. (laughs) 
Yep. Um, so the next team up, I'm assuming you have them as a, you must have them a tier up. I still kind of had them in the rebuilding tier. Um, I had the Seattle Kraken here. Maybe the, I do think they are clearly better than the Sharks. Yeah, they're distinctly better than the Sharks. I actually have a team behind the Kraken. Oh, this, that's a, ooh, interesting. Okay. Um, Do you have them in the same tier as the Kraken or no? Yes. I have okay. three teams in this next year. Okay. So I, I'm assuming it's going to be the same thing. I, I have Seattle a tier down. I kind of see Seattle almost in their own tier looking at this team. Like, I'd be pretty surprised if this team made playoffs. Unless, like, you're telling me Philip Grubauer – like, I'm assuming he won't be the worst actual goalie in the NHL again this year. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? They they made a lot of improvements this offseason, although they still don't have, like, an amazing group of skaters. But that goaltending regression is going to hit really hard, I'm going to think, because it was awful last year. Yes, it was, like, just, like, league worse, I think, I'm pretty sure. Like, Grubauer yep. was, especially by advanced metric, he was the worst goalie in the league. Yep. Um, I'm, And he was good leading up to that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some of it, he was good behind an absolutely loaded abs team. But even if he balances out to like the 20th best goalie in the or like the 22nd best starter in the NHL, like that's still a big improvement on last year. Yeah, 100%. He was even good going back to the the Washington days, too. Yeah, it's not like that was a bad team either, though, to be fair. True. Although they weren't (laughs) good defensively. Yeah, they weren't they definitely, yeah, and they especially weren't those apps teams defensively, but yeah, um, it's not like OV's upping your on ice save percentage. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just a little worried, I'm like worried about their defense core still. They have a bunch of guys who are like I've always considered good, and all of them are about three years older than I remember them being now. Yeah, and they're all playing way too high in the lineup, like all of them are fine players, but yeah, but like Justin Schultz probably shouldn't be your third or fourth defenseman now. Exactly. Like Same Adam with like, Larson is going to be a one. Yeah. Question mark. Alexiak is your two. Like, or Vince Dunn's your two. It's like, I don't, like, did Dunn really take the step we thought he would might next or last year? I don't think so. No. So Alexiak that's kind of, was fine, I guess. That's kind of a yeah. success. But, but I, I do like to, I, I do think, so unlike San Jose, they have the rookie potential that could really swing this team because I do like their forward core. Deep, and like, that's why it wouldn't shock me if this team makes playoffs, even though they're unlikely to. Yeah, they get some decent goaltending, like Yanni Gore, Jared McCann, Bjorkstrand, Burkhoff. I forgot about the Bjorkstrand pickup. That's a really good – that's a sneaky good pickup. Yeah, Bjorkstrand. And then, they, like you said, they have, the, they have two of the better non-NHL players in the league up front, too. I would have to – let me see if I can pull up the athletics rankings real quick. I would have to guess they have two of the top five non-NHL prospects right now yeah. in terms of yeah. Shane Wright and Matty Beneers. Exactly. So, like, there's there's legitimate upside hope, even if, like, there's also not zero chance Wright never plays a game for them this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or plays six and looks like a disaster and gets sent down. Exactly. Where, but somebody with a little more certainty there is Beneers. I would be really shocked if he doesn't play. And I actually think he could be quite good. Yes, I, I would agree. Um yeah, sorry. I'm just pulling up to see if like Scott Wheeler, because I know him and Braun and both do. They just did one recently, didn't they? That's what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, like that, the, the upside that they provide is why they are a tier clear, uh, a clear tier ahead of a team like San Jose. I think. 
Yeah, and I, I think their base outcome is better too, and then there's actual upside, which is a far better combo. Yeah. One thing I think we'll get to talk about in the uh, Eastern Divisions too, but it does scare me a little, is a lot of people love to throw around the whole, like, well, are they X points better? And in the East, I don't really buy that argument because, like, every team made a – not every team's going to have 100 points this year. That was the first time it's ever happened in history. So a team like Ottawa doesn't need to be 37 points better. They need to be, like, maybe 27 points better, and Washington just needs to have 91 points instead of 100, right? Like, whereas Seattle, though, Seattle had 60 points last year. Yeah, that's I, a hell of a jump. I've loved their offseason, but Nashville only had 97. Let's say, like, we did the centralizer. We're not super high. Let's say 94 gets you in this year. Are they 34 points better? Maybe. That's like, a lot. The goaltending could cover most of that. Yeah, if your goaltending covers, like, half of it or 20-something of those points, like, I could see how adding Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand, and then, like, if Benier, or even just one of Benier's or right are, like, really solid as a rookie i could see how that would make a, a gap up but it's they'll definitely be in tough that's for sure uh yeah because i was wrong about nope uh come on wheeler ranking the top 20 calder candidates that's close owen power number one maddie Beneers number two uh mason mctavish number three perfetti four uh, Jack Quinn, five, Ken Johnson, six, Sanderson, seven. Granted, this isn't who he thinks is a better prospect either. Chain Wright's at 10, but I think part of that might be because they're not sure where he's going to play in the lineup. Um, but yeah, like they, they have the uh, definitely the upside more than um, almost any other team in this division, I would say. There's one yeah, team more, than- more that we're going to get to, and I think they're close, but. Like They're more than the other bad teams in the division, for sure. Yeah, um, like, man, honestly, you're starting to convince me that maybe I should have them ahead. I'm going to be curious to see the team you have them ahead of, but um, there, there's a couple of reasons. I, I still, I'm going to pen them in for seven because I do think the upside is there, but the floor, I think, is still very low as well. The floor is horrible. It's definitely a, it feels like a boomer bust kind of roster, but I do think at the very least they'll be a little more fun to watch this year because this forward core looks like it could be legitimately entertaining. Yeah, 100%. And even like, say they are, they are a 65 point team again. If Beneers is on the roster and playing good, you don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Like they have yeah, the kind of guy like on a, the team. Yeah, like if they're like a 75 point team, like they have a 15 point increase from last year. 75 points last year still would have given them like the ninth over eighth overall, ninth overall pick. So, you know, if you have Maddie Beneers and maybe even Shane Wright have a very good looking seasons, you get the ninth overall pick. You're still probably happy with that. Yeah. You're thrilled with that. You you see, yeah, I had for what makes a good season for them. It wasn't playoffs or anything. It was just progress. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, So, uh, all right, who did you have behind them then? The only team I had behind them, and I was kind of surprised to see uh, DraftKings had this as well. Uh, I had the Anaheim Ducks behind them. Oh, see, I have Anaheim on a team ahead of another team yet. I think Anaheim could be sneaky good this year. Okay, so we actually like completely disagree on this division. That was fun. So, so with I, have this... it, I have Anaheim technically in the same tier. Like I have three teams in 
this kind of like wild card hopeful tier, tier if I put Seattle there. Okay, yeah. So we're we're agreed on the tier, I'm pretty sure, unless you really throw a fastball on me or a curveball, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I think it's probably safe. Like Vancouver's in this tier as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I'm probably wrong saying Seattle's a rebuilding team, but um I, I had like the uh, I had the sharks, sorry, in their it's like clear rebuilding. Seattle, I kind of had in their own tier because I wasn't sure what to make of them. And I had Anaheim and Vancouver as two very similar teams, but for different reasons. Yes. Seattle's so weird. Mm. DraftKings has Vancouver as 11 points better than Seattle and 12 points better than Anaheim for their over-under line. I wonder if that's like really betting in hard to Demko. That's what I was thinking. And like Vancouver's top six is legit, but their decor is freaking horrible stuff. yeah like we'll get to them in a second but that there's a reason i have anaheim ahead of them and it, it is a little ironic because i'm also one of the lower people of the two of us especially i've been much lower on john gibson for about half a decade now it feels yeah. like but and gibson's the main reason to me why i wouldn't be like obviously if any team gets amazing goaltending they can make the playoffs but with anaheim it's like we've at least seen they have their goalie play at an mvp level and he's still mm-hmm. in his 20s i'll be yeah. late 20s yeah, and I just like much like Seattle, I do like some of the additions that they made this year and this offseason. Like, I don't think Ryan Strom is a five million dollar player for the next five years, but for this year, I think that's a really good addition to help a guy like uh, Trevor Zegers to you know give him an extra centerman where it's like maybe Trevor Zegers doesn't have to go up against the hardest matchups every single night. You can let Ryan Strom flail around in those matchups, and then that actually opens up Zegers to play against a lesser competition. Exactly. And I know he's an offensive guy usually, but Klingberg like that too. Like instead yeah. of just killing Drysdale, be like, look, we don't care if we ruin John Klingberg's development. Yep, we'll exactly. hide Drysdale for a year. Exactly. Like I think the the decor of like Klingberg, Fowler, Shattenkirk, Drysdale, like it's not, you're not scared of that decor or anything, but it's also has the making to be like, yeah, this is okay. You know? Yeah. It's better than Vancouver's. That's yes, damn by, sure. by a mile. And then, yeah, up front, like Mason McTavish, the reason I said maybe than other teams is like, I still think there's a level for Trevor Zegers to grow in terms of being an effective player. Like, obviously, everyone loved him. He was a human highlight reel last year. If he can turn those highlights while also like bringing consistency in terms of driving play and stuff, like this guy, and I don't, I don't really have faith that he wouldn't. Like, he put up 61 points in 75 games last year. I could see him putting up close to a point per game where he actually isn't like a complete liability defensively or whatever and suddenly he's one of those better young centermen in the league exactly and for what it's worth my unexpected points model which tries to identify players that were underrated by their rapm numbers uh Zegers was one of the most undervalued players in the league yeah, yeah, I mean, so if he takes a jump as a play driver it shouldn't shock anybody yeah and i think like just the natural he's one of those things where it's like sometimes stutzel's another guy like this just watching him closely every game it's like there's some guys where even if you you're not really worried about them, even if their underlying numbers aren't great for a season or two, because it's like these guys are so talented. It feels just like a given they're going to figure this out. Yeah, exactly. You've seen the talent at every level. We've seen flashes of it at the NHL level. They'll probably be fine. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Mason McTavish, like, man, I, he could, he feels like one of those guys that steps in. And even if he's never like a 90 point player or whatever, it feels like he could just be like a 55 point, like, play driver right away yeah he could be fantastic next year it's like 
and again, like World Juniors isn't the, the best thing to scout people on. And be just because he tore up the World Juniors doesn't mean he's going to tear up the NHL. But he looked like a man amongst boys at this summer's World Juniors. He bullied them. And I haven't actually ran the numbers because he plays in so many leagues. It would be a gigantic <laughs> pain in the ass. But I'll bet you his NHLE this past year was like 60. Yeah, it was definitely up there. It was it was high. And, you know, and the thing about other World Juniors, too, it's not like he just bullied them on the point. Like, he looked physically dominant. You could tell yeah. this guy is NHL ready. He was the best player in the tournament by, like, yeah. I know people love Bedard or whatever, but you could just, and obviously the upside with Bedard is ridiculous, and Bedard will be better. But it seemed pretty clear to me that watching McTavish there, he was the best player in the tournament, and very few people even belonged on the ice with him. Yeah, exactly. So suddenly this Anaheim team has a pretty intriguing forward core as well, where it's like you're going to have some mix of um, Segris, Max Comtois, uh, Troy Terry, Max Jones, McTavish, Ryan Strom, um, and Isaac Lundstrom as well make up your top nine there, um, even though I think I maybe only named seven or eight players. But um, like they, they have the potential to be sneaky good as well. And I know like uh, even Troy Terry probably didn't develop quite as they were hoping to, hoping he would. But, you know, playing against with better players, it's like maybe you see him go from uh, – uh, I mean, he put up 67 points 75 games last year. So, uh, but really you know, good, like, underlying numbers too. Yeah, so, you know, and maybe he – if he is that player, great. Um, even if he puts up 55 points in 82 games but has good underlying numbers, that's still a really solid complementary piece considering – he might be their like fourth most important forward. Yeah, exactly. He could be the perfect complement to some of these guys. Yeah. Um, so, and even same with a guy like Isaac Lundstrom kind of came out of nowhere last year. He had 29 points in 80 games. Like it's not like he tore up the stat sheet or anything, but like if he's your sixth most important forward and he takes a jump to like 45 points, again, you're very okay with that. That probably means you have a decent forward core. Yeah, exactly. And they also have a guy like Henry who can just kind of mm-hmm. take some minutes. He was surprisingly decent. He's been pretty okay there. Not yeah, he's crazy, been just but... quietly decent for a guy who kind of weren't I wasn't sure how that contract was gonna age. Yeah, and I still don't like the contract, but he's been you know, impressively fine. Like a nice above average, but not obviously a lead piece. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I like this team a lot where or relatively speaking anyways of course right like i like this team a lot for like i just had them as the best bet of the three as a wild card contender in terms of if i'm trying to take goaltending away which isn't totally fair but assuming that like you replay the season a hundred times over you're going to get some good goaltending years some bad goaltending years or whatever i just they, they felt like the most likely to me out of the three teams to make a wild card spot that's fair. I still think Vancouver's more likely because you have to attach if statements to guys like Trevor Zegers, whereas with Vancouver, there's no if. Like I think JT Miller is overrated or whatever, but he was almost a hundred point player. Mm-hmm. We've seen Pedersen play at an MVP level, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, Pedersen kind of like we haven't seen Pedersen play at an MVP level in like three years now. True. That is true. He was a lot better under, uh, what's his name though? Boudreaux. The whole team was a lot better under Boudreaux, which maybe I'm not really thinking about fairly enough because yeah, it was night and day that a coaching change was needed. And obviously yeah. bringing in one of the best coaches of our era is, uh, gonna, yes, going to change that aggressively the other way. Right. Like, yeah. Also Vancouver does have some upside with like, um, Hoglander. And Hoglander, yeah, yeah. Pugles and um, 
Besser becoming his old self, I would consider upside based on the way he's played recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, have a, they they kind of feel like Winnipeg Jets new to me, where it's like, you know how like the Jets were that up-and-coming team in 2017 or 2018, whatever they made, 18, when they made that conference final run? And then it just kind of turned out that's what everyone was, and they couldn't repeat it because the, the roster kind of eroded away. Yeah. Well, Vancouver made a second uh, second round run. What was it? Two years ago in the bubble. Now everyone's kind of hyping them up as this young team, and like Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, even Pedersen just really haven't gotten any better, and they've just kind of stagnated because of it. Yeah, they seem they seem aggressively ready to come ninth in the division. In the conference, or in the conference, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, like. They really do feel like they're just kind of going to be a bubble. Because that's the thing, too, is like when we talk about Seattle and honestly, even Anaheim, I think even if I think their ceiling's a little higher, their floor is way lower. Like, I just don't see Patrick Demko has just been a 915 goalie for his entire career. I don't see him not being that. Yeah, exactly. And I that's, I think, why the markets would be so much higher on Vancouver, because they have a legit floor, unlike those other two teams we talked about. Yes, yeah, and and that is definitely very fair. Where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter how bad this team is. If Demko plays at a nine twenty one this year or whatever, they're still they're not going to be with San Jose. Yeah, Demko plays at a at a nine twenty, and then that like that power play is as close to a certainty as we've seen, at least of the teams we've discussed so far. Yeah, um, I do like the addition of like guys like Curtis Lazar too in the offseason. I think. You know, that's a, a very solid depth signing. He's uh, curved his way out to be a very just like solid, responsible fourth line player. So I, I do think that'll help up and down their lineup. Like their forward core is good now that I, I look at it a little closer. But man, yeah, Mikheyev and Lazar should really help the penalty kill. Yeah, Mikheyev's a good, a good addition too. I don't know if I would have paid 4.75 for him. Um, but for if we're looking at it in just this year, I think their forward core is going to be pretty solid all, all the way down. Yeah, it should be good. Because like I said, with Vancouver or with uh, teams like Anaheim, you have to say if, uh, if Seagrass can drive play with the uh, Seattle, it's pretty dependent. First Bjork strand has to play well in a new environment. And then like if Veneers can play or whatever, we know Vancouver has top guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then the the ifs like, start becoming, can any of these defensemen not suck? Which is a very big if. And even Quinn Hughes, um, I don't expect him to suck, obviously. I don't expect him to be a number one defenseman either. No, he's probably, he's, I would say he's one of the more overrated players in the league right now. In terms of, especially, absolutely is. Yeah. Or he has been so far. Like, I think he's really fun to watch and he clearly has talent. So he might take a step, but out five on five, he is not a number one defenseman, which they're going to ask him to be. And that's, their only position you could consider filled on defense. Yeah, and then like OEL was better than I was expecting last year, but he's another year older now. Yeah, and is OEL a two even? Or is Myers your two then? Myers is your two on the depth chart in terms of like your top right Because he's a D. righty, right? Yeah. But like, and then yeah, what are you it. playing? Offhanded Dermot as your four? Like, Yeah, it's that or Luke Shen at 32 years old. <laughs> I'd probably rather offhanded Dermot in my top four, which is a sad sentence. Or I like Dermot Poolman, like yeah, <laughs> which I'd still rather offhanded Dermot. Like 
Yeah, like I, I really like their Dermot edition, to be honest, but he, uh, I think he should be some team six and he'd probably excel at that, but he's probably mm-hmm. going to get asked to do way more than that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's funny because imagine how much better this blue line would look if they stole Chris Tano. Oh my god! And so much better. It's funny because it seemed like they walked away at a good time, bro. Well, exactly. Like I, I thought it was a very smart and savvy move to walk away from Chris Tanner. Yeah, you know, it seemed like, like oh, they're cutting bait as he's getting older. Guy who's getting yeah. injured all the time. It seemed like a team finally doing the thing where they're getting rid of the guy at the right point of the age curve, and they just and got absolutely screwed. Yeah, it just did not work out. Now, granted, doubling down and being like we're going to let go of Chris Tanner and then pay Tyler Myers, who's the same age and way worse of his money. Not the smartest thing in the world. But no, yeah. The the one isolated from the other, I thought. But yeah, like it's funny because if you go suddenly if you go Chris Tanner's on this team, he probably is the perfect partner for a guy like Quinn Hughes, right? Like defensively responsible. Quinn Hughes can walk around, do all the things he needs to offensively at five on five and know he's gonna have a rock steady partner beside him. And then you drop OEL on the second pair with like I mean, and Tyler Myers probably still is in the second pair defenseman, but Tyler Myers on your second pair with OEL probably looks a little better than him on your first pair with Quinn Hughes. Yeah, like neither of those guys are good, but they're not active train wrecks either. Like they can play NHL minutes. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what all, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson does again this year because, you know, it's it's very clear he's not what he was in his peak in Arizona as one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. But like, it was probably a number three last year. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, like 7.26 is maybe a little much for a three, but not aggressively much. Yeah, like it's bad and really unnecessary given where they are, but in their uh, life cycle, but it's not the end of the world. No, not at all. So most teams have at least one similarly bad contract. Yeah, yeah, and like you're probably, and, and the term is the real bad part of it. But if he plays as a three for the next two or three years, like, well, you're overpaying him by like two million dollars, probably. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, this team is just so underwhelming to me. I feel like their, their four core should be really good. But even last year, I was pretty high on their four core last year and they just didn't really do anything. Yeah, they have, they have an amazing power play unit. But at five on five, their forward core is not has not performed nearly as good as I expected. Yeah, I do think a full year of the Bruce Woodrow bump is going to be very helpful, though. Yes, that would be nice, and maybe even like a like a real offensive explosion from uh, from Connor Garland or something would be pretty clutch. Yeah, exactly. Or just like Pedersen goes back to like being his dominant five on five self. Yeah, exactly. Pedersen being how he was in his rookie year or whatever year he was on. He played at that crazy level would solve most of their problems. Because even last year, he wasn't even close to a point-per-game player. Well, like, rel- relatively speaking for him, he was 68 points in 80 games. Yeah, he which was a career in- high in points, but scoring league-wide was way up. Yeah, and exactly. And it was down for more games. Yeah, it was down for points per game because he had 66 and 68 two years ago. Obviously, in the shortened season, he didn't play half the year, but he's still 21-26. And then 66 and 71 his rookie year. So he was up two points, but it took him, yeah, 10 more games and 12 more games to get there. Exactly. And he kind of became a power play merchant for mm-hmm. those points last year. Whereas early on in his career, what made him so ridiculous was how much of his production came at even strength. 
Yeah. So if he could manage to put that together, I mean, he, the it, the potential's off the chart there. You know, he, he could easily just jump up to like a top 10 center. Like we've yeah, all kind exactly. of expected him to be. Yeah. Like what he's been kind of got unfairly penciled in at that is young. And it yeah. would be, uh, be cool to see him do it. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So, all right. There's half the division gone. Um, kind of same tiers, but different order, which is a, a nice change up, but definitely a clear bottom four and top four, I would say, coming into the year. I have yep. three teams in this next tier of definitely want to be making playoffs. I can't consider them a division favorite, though. Okay. I have. So we did it differently. We each have a one team tier, but mine is in fourth and yours is going to be in first. Interesting. Okay. So who's your fourth team in this division? I assume you're going to match this LA. See, or I, do have you Vegas? Here. I have Vegas. Okay. And See, I was going to put Vegas one pre Leonard injury. I debated it as well, which kind of <laughs> makes me shows how much I think about the Leonard injury though. Yeah. And so we can get to Vegas in a second. I do have LA three and I have them right in the same tier with another team here. Um, and honestly, I, well, we can just say it's Edmonton. Uh, I don't think that should surprise anyone. Um, I think all three of these teams could could win the division, and I wouldn't be like – I mean, L.A., I might be a little more shocked, but I feel like L.A.'s got a higher floor as well, if that makes sense. But Yeah, L.A. winning the division would be a little odd, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, like if Markstrom goes down or something early or just plays like shit and – you know, like LA, we'll we'll get to them. Actually, let, let's do LA now, and why I could see them. You know, maybe winning the division, but they definitely shouldn't be favored. I don't think. Um, no. And then, and that's why I have them in a clear tier with obviously the team we haven't talked about because they're they're the most sound for this year. But um, yeah, for LA, I just I was high on them coming into last year. Uh, like I thought they were going to be a playoff team last year. It was one of the few I definitely got right. Um, they take that team last year, and obviously, it's not always just linear linear progression or anything like that. Um, but adding Kevin Fiala to this team, I think, could really add a uh, another dimension to this team that makes them pretty dangerous. Yeah, and Fiala's kind of the perfect fit for this team because, well, their team has mostly been fairly like a responsible team, I think, is kind of how you could sum up their identity. Fiala's not responsible. He's pretty bad defensively, but he gives them legitimate offensive flash which they don't really have. So he is the perfect fit for them in terms of a need. Yeah, and they sorely lacked it in those play- that playoff series last year against Edmonton. Exactly. And I think they rightfully expected one of like Kaliev, Byfield, or Turcotte or somebody like that to fill that role, but it just hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. they went out big game hunting. Yep. Fiala should be able to do that. Well, exactly. we know we've and seen Fiala do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and now you can double down where it's like, and that's part of the reason I, I'm still a little high on this team too, is I, I, I really do think there's another step for Byfield, Turcotte, maybe Kaliev. Kaliev's only 21 as well. It feels like he should be, he's way older than that, but he's only 21 as well. Um, you know, it just kind of feels like there is at least one of those guys are going to step into being like a legitimately very good NHL player. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, they have so many of them. Like they have a good-ish floor. We said most of their team is pretty responsible. You could do a lot worse than Deneau and Kopitar down the middle with guys like Fiala. But one, like, obviously we haven't seen him do it, but if one of Byfield, Kalia, Velarde, or Turcotte explodes, 
which seems pretty reasonable to expect at least one of them to suddenly they might look fantastic yeah exactly um especially because it's like and like velardi only got to play i mean well he was in the ahl for a while last year too right like but he put up 38 points in 39 ahl games it's just like man like every time they go down they just dominate whatever lower league they're in yeah it it. seems like you you don't need every single one of them to hit but it's like how one of these guys not hit to being like an unreal NHL player. Exactly. Like all of a sudden Byfield benefits from being fully healthy and he puts up 60 points. Things look a lot better. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah. And then the, the, the rest of this team, like their defense, I think is sneaky. Okay. Like it's not great, but you know, Dowdy looked re- much better last year. If he's again, a number one this year, um, even if he's like the 28th best defenseman in the league or whatever, you know, you got Even Sean if he's Walker. Morgan Riley good. It, exactly, right? Like you have Doughty, Sean Walker, Matt Roy, uh, Michael Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot, and then uh, Sean Dursey was the big one who took a really big step up last year. Still unsigned, which I, I feel like hasn't gone talked enough. He'll probably they have $1.3 million in cap space. I'd imagine he just gets all of that on a one-year deal and then they pay him a bigger sum if he was if his season last year was legit. Yeah, like, I would think so. He'll get like a three by three if his season last year was legit. Yeah, like something like that. This uh, this decor is like the litmus test for how gigantic of a nerd are you? Because all of them are actually fine, but they mm-hmm. just on paper look pitiful, and they oh, are yeah. great to be fair. But yeah, like if the if you ask other than Doughty, of course, if you ask anyone if they knew Matt Roy or Matt Watt, uh. Michael Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot, I bet you all three of those would be no. Sean Walker's a no. Sean Dursey's probably a no unless you're a Leafs fan and remember hearing him because he was traded for Muzzin. Yeah. It'd just be Alex Edler. And Edler's ironically probably the worst out of the guys I just named. And like he's still fine. Like for a 36-year-old, he's a good like six, seven, which is what yeah. he'll be on this decor. But yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't think they're going to overwhelm it. And then same with the net. Like I just, Cal Patterson was brutal last year, but I think even, you know, between quick and Patterson, I think if they give you nine, 10 goaltending, that's probably fine in this division. Yeah. Which seems like a pretty reasonable bet for them to end up as average ish. Yep. No matter how they d- get there. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this team is – I kind of had them as a coin flip with a team like Vegas. I think Vegas very clearly has the high-end talent um, and a higher ceiling than them. But also, let's get to Vegas now. I had Vegas kind of tied slash one below Los Angeles in the standings. I had Vegas making the playoffs what is the fourth team. And it's because I just don't know if I trust Logan Thompson to be carrying a starter's load this year. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, the floor is way higher with LA because at least they have two goalies who we've seen be competent in the NHL. Whereas Vegas might get sewered with like the worst goaltending in the league, but also if they're healthy and everything goes right, they could be the only team in the conference that we're saying has a hope of challenging the Abs. Yeah, their depth has been slowly eroded too. That's true. Like but I, I like I like the Phil Kessel addition. Well, we haven't seen them with Jack freaking Eichel mm-hmm, as yeah, and, healthy as their one C, right? And that's the big thing. It's like, and especially so the biggest question for me is is Mark Stone healthy this year? 
Yeah, because if they get healthy Stone, healthy Eichel, all of a sudden you have a top 10 center and a top five winger out of nowhere. Yeah, and you probably split them up. Like I would, I'm sure they'll put them together somewhat, but you split those two guys up. Jack Eichel, you know, can play with like uh, Jonathan Marchessault and I don't know, put someone on his right or left or right wing, Riley Smith, let's say. Like he's yeah. the new centerman for that line, right? Instead of Carlson. And then you play like William Carlson with Mark Stone or even just keep Chandler Stevens in there. You know, Mark Stone can uh, pump up two line mates and make them yeah. look better than they are. And then you can have like Nick Roy and William Carlson as your third line. That's pretty good. Yeah, like it's fine. It's, it's not what it was maybe a year or two ago, but it's still yeah. fine. Yeah, but and it's then, come at the cost of you're hoping Jack Eichel's like the sixth best center in the league. Yeah, but what scares me a little bit about this team too is like when we say their uh, team just kind of erode a little, like Petrangelo was sneaky, not very good last year. Yeah, he was pretty horrible. And like we said, usually when people are bad, everybody just kind of shrugs their shoulders, but there was like, legitimate film analysis tied into data being like when defenders like him lose a step sometimes it gets really ugly really fast and if that's new Petrangelo they're probably screwed yeah and even like Shake Theodore didn't have a great year now that I'm much more willing to kind of shrug my shoulders at but yeah and for what it's worth Theodore is probably the best defenseman we've talked about so far in this entire division yeah I would say so or at least the best bet to be yeah, because even like Drew Doughty, who had a good year last year, like still is like a number 20, number 15, maybe overall. Like Shea Theodore yeah. could be easy top 10. Yeah, we've seen Theodore be a 10 recently, and he's 27, and we're betting on him bucking a trend instead of Doughty being 32 and needing him to buck a trend. Yeah, and same with Petrangelo, even, right? Like 32. Petrangelo won a Norris a couple of years ago, but he's 32. And yeah, if his foot speed's gone, he might be in trouble. And then you got Alex Mart- Alec Martinez. He's 35. Um, you know, I I still don't really understand why they re-signed him. He's a fine defenseman, but, like, it just feels like you could probably find someone to bring what Martinez does for less than $5.25 million. Yeah, is Martinez, like, is his is he any different than Alex Edler, who's on, like, a league min deal that we just maybe, talked about? Maybe, like, a little better, but not, like, aggressively. Definitely yeah, not $4 million better. He's like eight times the price. Yeah, like Martinez is honestly like Edler's RAPM numbers were better last year. Granted, I was just he was gonna say. in a much, much easier position. Yeah, you could uh, you could argue Edler was better pretty easily. Yeah, but... That cost um, is not even close. Yeah, and then the net, it's Laurent Brassois, Aiden Hill, and Logan Thompson. And this is the biggest reason that yeah, I bumped them down from. I mean, not. Yeah, I mean, this was the biggest reason I bumped them down from even a contender status in terms of like what they would were last year to. Oh shit! Like this team, better hope that one of these guys work out. Now, I will say, I think when Leonard goes down, I do respect them not making a super panic move and going and overpaying for someone because I'd probably rather just bet on three Mick goalies and hope one of them's decent. Yes, I would wear rather that, and maybe it'll work out. Thomas was fine last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Logan Thompson was pretty good. Or Thompson, yeah. Um, they also have a big, big help on D coming. Shea Weber. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did forget about that as well. Um, oh, Michael Hutchinson in the minors, too, in case you need him. Um, oh, there you go. In case you need a, a fourth string goalie. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of this is another like huge boom or bust team in terms of like their boom could be a cup contender and their bust might be missing the playoffs again. Just like not just the goaltending, but like is Mark Stone healthy? Is Petrangelo cooked or not? Like those are some pretty big questions that are either going to swing you aggressively one way or aggressively the other. Exactly. Like I said, they're they're more likely to win the division than LA, but they definitely have a lower floor. Yeah. And like there's not many outcomes where I see Mark Stone or like Petrangelo just being fine. You know, like it's it feels like it's either you're cooked or you're not. And for Stone, it's either healthy or not. Like you're back to yeah. this year or it's not. Yeah, Petrangelo especially, because at least Stone still actually put up decent numbers while hurt last year, whereas Petrangelo yeah. was fucking horrible. Yes, exactly. And like, yeah, I should say it's not like I don't think I don't think Stone's a bum or anything like that. It's just like Stone needs to be the top five winger that he was when they acquired him for this team to be a contender. Yes, exactly. So um, he needs to carry a line. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they, they, exactly. So, um, all right. I so did you have Vegas two or three then? I had them three. Okay, so we had uh, L.A. and Vegas swips switched. So then uh, we're gonna have the same top two. Let's get to Edmonton, the number two team. I'm assuming did you have them in the same tier as these last two teams? Or you said you had yeah. L.A. in their own tier, right? Yeah, L.A. in their own tier. I probably should have had Vegas in their tier and then Calgary, Edmonton in their own tier, but I left the top three all in the same. So yeah, I had I had Edmonton, Los Angeles, and Vegas in the same tier. I think Edmonton is the best team of this tier. Um, again, maybe yep. not their ceiling, but even then, like it's kind of hard to discount the ceiling of Connor McDavid and you know, Dryside just doing what they did last year, basically, and willing this team to a Western Conference final. Exactly. Like they have their floor is Connor McDavid putting up like 110 points. Yes, exactly. That's just such a cheat code to have. It's such a certainty. And Dreisaitl's probably scoring 50 yeah, like, in and sleep. They're going to get the full year of Evander Kane, you know, for right or wrong reasons. They yeah. do. I, re- I really didn't want to put this team to. I still don't like the roster. But... No, I don't really. Like, their defense core is still just gross. It's not good. It's still horrible. And one of the big upgrades they made was in that. But I don't even think they got bad goaltending last year. I'm no, pretty sure I'm they just... got way better goaltending than Toronto. Oh yeah, like it's just the it's it's definitely the peak. I think maybe where you can be more confident in net a little bit is that Jack in a playoff series we've seen Jack Campbell at least be like an elite goal, but like they saw Mike Smith be that. Obviously, he wasn't during the playoffs, but I have more confidence in Jack Campbell stealing a series probably. Or yeah, maybe just... the com- and maybe it's the combined of. I have more confidence of Jack Campbell steering ceiling series, but also definitely not losing a series. Whereas Mike Smith is one or the other. Definitely not losing a series for sure. Yeah. And, and so, and like, I, again, like I don't think Mike Smith was bad in that Western Commerce final, but I don't think you could have put Connor Hellebuck behind that Edmonton team. I don't think it was mattering. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just the way worse hockey team from top to bottom. Well, everything but top, I guess. Yes. Um, but yeah, like their defense score still definitely scares me. Like they have a bunch of okay pieces, but they're missing that top guy. Like they're paying Darnell Nurse like he is, and he's just not a number one. Yeah, their defense score is horrible without a Bouchard or Broburn jump. But, you know, that's plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if like Bouchard could become a number one, suddenly this defense score, much like what we said with Vancouver's, where it's like at least pieces kind of fall into place a little more. Like, if Bouchard could be a legit one 
and Darnell, you say like Nurse is a two. Barry's probably not a three, but he's a four. Yeah. CC and Kulak are both like a five and six. Like suddenly the pieces start to fall into place. But as soon as you have to play Barry as your two, Nurse as your one, CC as your three, Kulak as your four, like the, the pieces just aren't exactly there. Yeah. And it's, but it is nice that they're diversified, like we were saying with LA, where they have four good forwards. Between Broberg or Bouchard, one of them should take a decent step. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. And like even Bouchard was really good offensively last year. It's just, Touching up his defensive game now. Yes, exactly. And if he does touch up the defensive game, he might be a one. He yes, might be like an elite defenseman if he does that. Yeah, because he was really good offensively last year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then again, like their four core, it's you got me, David. You got dry settle. So there's your two centers right there. I re- I really want them to experiment. Like I think they can make a legitimately good third line of Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Evander Kane. And then well, play that'd be an amazing third line. Right. And then like just let Connor McDavid drag around. I mean, put Pugliarvi on his wing because him and Pugliarvi worked great together. Even people got mad at how much a little Pugliarvi scored. And then put I don't care who on their left wing. And then let Drysidel play with Yamamoto and Warren Fogel on the left or something like that. Like the your two centermen are good enough that over the course of a regular season, they can drag your wingers around. Yeah, that should be what they're there for. And even if you want to give like you want to give dry sidles Kane or someone like that. Like Nugent Hopkins and Hyman are still a fantastic third line yes. on their own. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, or maybe you move Jesse Pulley Yeah, maybe you Jeffy, Jesse Jesse down to the third line. It's like Pulley R and H and Yamamoto or something like that. And then you put one of Hyman or Kane on on the other two lines. But like they just they they I want to see them load up that third line to make it a strength. And it feels like they they try to go let's stack the top six way too often. Yeah. Cause like you just, like you're just not making Connor McDavid better. Like no. the diminishing returns have just already kicked in on a line because Connor McDavid's so stupidly good. Yeah. The only way I can like, I kind of get why they played Kane with them because Kane can maybe score on a couple more of the chances he creates than Pugliarvi. But yeah, apparently McDavid hates Pugliarvi. I should, probably shouldn't shouldn't say that with too much confidence, but apparently he was very unhappy with Pugliarvi. Hmm. That's funny. I mean, like, high pick, you were expecting him to be your wingman for a while, and he got mad, went to Europe. Like, I'm not saying that's Pugliarvi's fault either, but I could see no. it causing tension with players that are there. Well, and I'm thinking too, like as much as we look at Pliarvi's results and we're like, yeah, it's probably a PDO heater. If you're McDavid, like willing a team on your back and then he's missing his cross crease passes or whatever, I'd yeah. probably be pissed too, even if it's statistically a meaningless thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I want to see them use like they have two absolutely like elite, almost franchise, I mean, a franchise level player and then dry is like right on the edge, honestly. Um, you have four, five, I would say five, if you want to throw Yamamoto in there of like really like solid forwards that you can definitely, as when they're your third to sixth best forwards, you can easily build a good four core out. And then you have like five guys that are like, yeah, these are bottom six players, but I just want to see them use their depth. Yeah, exactly. Because they have a whole bunch of forwards that are only acceptable for their role if you have two of the 10 best players on earth as well. Uh, but they do have two of the best mm-hmm. 10 best players on earth as well. So it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So 
Uh, like yeah, Evander Kane is your third best forward is objectively horrible. Uh, but as long as Connor McDavid is one of the two better than him, uh, it doesn't matter as much. And yeah, Connor exactly, McDavid is one of the two that's better than him. Because you can play him and like Zach Hyman. And it's like, well, yeah, if you don't need them in the top mm-hmm. six, suddenly they become third liners and that looks really good. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like this team's just going to be good because they have McDavid. But I'm going yeah. to – I'd be – this is one where I feel like they have a fine enough floor, but no a limited ceiling in terms of like as li- more limited than it should be for having Connor McDavid on your team. Yeah, the ceiling to me in this conference is can you scare the abs? And the answer is absolutely not for Edmonton. Yeah, because like the best outcome for their season is probably what happened last year, right? Like they get a good run in the playoffs, they beat an LA team that, you know, was maybe 50-50, and then upset a Calgary team and then get whipped against Colorado. Yep. So I don't know. Like I just. Which would yeah. be a great season to be honest, if you can make the conference finals and everything, I don't want to downplay that, but. Still. Sure. For most, and like for most teams it would be, but also like you have the best player on earth. The goal should not be to just dream bigger. Yeah. Like, yeah, the goal should not be, we need to make an upset just to get to the third round and then hope we don't get absolutely blown out of the third round. Yeah, hope the Abs beat us in seven instead of five. Yeah, four. There's four last year. Oh yeah, I forgot it was sweet. Yeah, yeah, seven instead of four, or six instead of four, or whatever. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's get to the team, the top team in the division. Usually, I would say with a lot of these teams, especially when it's a repeat winner of a, you know, they obviously the Flames won it last year. Like, we didn't have a ton to say about the Avs because it was just, oh, they're really good. Of course, they're going to be really good again this year. Yeah, This is the odd exception else. where it's like, this team is the clear favorite in the division and their team looks completely different. Okay. I plan on looking into this at some point. Um, in PFF for uh, the NFL, they talk about continuity on the offensive line and how continuity actually really matters independent of how good the players are. So if you're bringing back five offensive linemen to an average offensive line, you would actually expect that line to be way better than a line full of five league average free agents. Yeah. Do you think that matters in hockey? Um, no, not. I mean, to a certain degree, yes, but no to the same degree in the NFL because there's so many more games. Okay, that's what so, I was thinking. It probably doesn't matter a ton. At which point, so, Flames are the favorite. Yes, so I, I do think that, like, if the Flames get off to a slow start in October or whatever, it wouldn't be surprising. It's like, yeah, these guys are still trying to learn how to play together. Um, whereas that's fine because when the time you're done October, even if you're done in November, you still have, what, like 58 games left to play. In the yeah. NFL, by the time you're done two months of the season – your season's half over almost. Yeah, if it takes you four games to figure it out with your offensive line uh, roommates, you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think it doesn't matter quite as much in hockey. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's like the one thing holding them back, in my opinion, because on paper they are clearly the best team in this division. Yeah, which is um, honestly insane that they're in this position after getting rid of 200-point players. One that they lost for nothing. It's not they lost their two best players. Yep. And then, you know, replace them with three other really good players. So yeah. um, they lost two like MVP candidates. <laughs> literally. And then went, yeah, okay, like we're we're still gonna be good. Um, which I respect. I, I like it. I, I do think this team's gonna be interesting, you know. 
you know, we, we've talked at length about the contracts and if we agree or disagree about like the long-term future of this team, but I do think that just purely Kadri Huberto in with um, adding Uyghur to the back end is probably not going to be as steep of a drop-off as we once thought to obviously Kachuk and Goudreau out. Um, you know, you're going to be able to make a pretty good top six of Kadri, Huberto, Maggiapani, um, Coleman will probably be there, Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Like I just named, what, seven players there already? Michael Backlund's in that group as well. Dylan Dubé, like that's a really good top nine. And then you also, they also have some upside and guy like uh, Jacob Peltier as well. Yeah, there's upside there. And underrated when talking about the upside for the Flames. Uh, Mangiapane has had gaudy underlying numbers in a limited role for forever because the Flames have been stacked on the wing. Him just getting more ice time could be an 80-point player. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if he stays... I'm trying to see what he shot in terms of shooting percentage uh, last year, but he scored 34... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I just say, he, he scored 35 goals, but he only had 20 assists, where it's like, uh, he shot 18.9%, which is a lot, but his career shooting percentage is 17. Yeah, exactly. So, Plus, he has these amazing underlying numbers. And he played like 300 fewer minutes than Gaudreau last year at even strength. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, so even if you want to say, okay, let's say he takes his 185 shots that he had last year, which, again, with more power play time, he might shoot more. He probably will. He'll get like an extra 100 power play minutes and 200 even strength minutes, probably. Yeah, but let's just say even if you want to keep that 185, if you use career average 17 shooting percentage, he's at 31 goals instead of 35. Well, playing with more ice time and with good players, obviously, up the lineup, I could easily see that assist number jump from 20 to like 35 or 40. And then, yeah, suddenly he's a 75, 80-point player. So, um, yeah, no, like I, this, this forward core, I think is going to be really good. Like for people who don't know Jacob Pel- or, yeah, Peltier, he scored 62 points in 66 AHL games last year as a 20 year old. Um, Which is crazy. That's, yeah, that's really, really good as well. So, um, I, I'm excited for him. I think he could be a, a quiet impact guy, but yeah, like you have a, you're going to be able to build a really good, uh, top nine of like, obviously, excuse me, there's no. Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid type talent there, but you're going to be able to build a good deep top nine with Kadri, Huberto, Mangiapane, uh, Coleman, Lindholm, maybe Backlin, uh, Toffoli, Dubé, and then maybe Peltier if you want to add him there. Um, and then you're going to be able to, their, their fourth line will be fine. You probably have like Milan Lucic, Trevor Lewis, and I don't know, Kevin Rooney or something. Like it's just going to be a checking fourth line, but for a Daryl Sutter built team, you're probably well, that's what I was just going to say. That. They have an elite coach as well, which raises the floor even farther. Yeah, and then you get into their defense, which, in my opinion, the only defense core that you could probably say is better than this is it Colorado's. Yeah. Like, this is godly in terms of, it's, you know, some of the defense cores we've seen over the past couple of years. It's no a ridiculous Hannah, defense core with upside. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev, Mackenzie Weger, Oliver Shillington, Yusuf Valamaki, and then Nikita Zdorov as your, like, seven, maybe. I mean, Valamaki might be the seven, but it's just, like, it's gross. It's I, I'm very curious to watch who gets the ice time here because 
they have like five legitimately very good defensemen. And I, I wonder how, and like they do like Zadorov as well. So I wonder how they're going to balance the ice time for this defense core. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. I don't even know on the face of it who will be playing like first line power play and everything. Yeah, I don't either, to be honest. I, like, I'm pretty certain Tanev is getting first line matchups, and that's the only thing I'm certain about on this decor. Yeah, and like Tanev and Zadorov will be penalty killers, main like your main penalty killers. Yeah. But yeah, Tanev will be getting the hard matchups. I don't even know who they're going to pair him with because. They don't, they, Hannafin's a strict lefty. Zadorov, Uyghur, and Shillington are all listed as LD slash right D. Well, that's the thing, too. Is Uyghur going to play his strong side or his offside? Like, I genuinely have no idea. Yeah, but regardless, I feel pretty confident this is going to be a top three defense score in the league. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Sutter's. And it, now. I, would say, I say that all without even factoring in that you have, like, one of the best, best defensive coaches in the league. In the, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like this team is really good. And then Annette, obviously, Markstrom and Daniel Vladar. One thing I really want to see from this team uh, this year is not using Markstrom so much. In the regular season. Yes, in the regular season. Uh, Lambert did a really good, from Puck Soup, he did a really good breakdown of, like, he basically looked through Markstrom's career, and anytime he had played over 50 games, I think it was, he just absolutely shit himself in the playoffs. Which makes sense intuitively. Also, the... We've just talked about how good their decor is and how good their forwards are and how they have this elite defensive coach. The advantage to that is you just are a goalie's best friend. You can make a mediocre goalie look great, which is yeah, why exactly. you can lean on Dan Vladder. And like it's not like like Vladder hasn't been awesome in the NHL and his limited experience, but he has good pedigree as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I would expect him to be able to be a league average save percentage goalie given the context around him which is the amazing defensive goal. yeah like he put up a 906 in 23 games last year you bump that up to 30 and that stays at a 906 you're very okay with that yeah exactly or even Back like up 30 40. 35 or whatever like and then you give Markstrom a bit of a break where he only has to play 46 ish games like yeah yeah because i think 906 was probably league average last year that's perfect yeah, so um, oh, 47 games it would be if you played 35 with a one-off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I, that's that's the one thing I do want to see about this team because even if it means, let's say it costs them four points in the regular season, I don't even know if it would, but I think that would be worth it because it feels like you're eliminating more of the risk of Markstrom just absolutely shitting himself in round two like he did against the Oilers. Yeah, give them some nights off. The only time it wouldn't be worth it is if your Vegas looks legit or whatever, and you can yes. avoid playing them in the first round or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, even then, like, you'd probably just be. It's still I probably would, worth it. Yeah, like I, I don't think home ice advantage in round two is enough of a atmosphere to like balance out having a healthier goaltender by eight games or whatever. Yeah, especially when your goaltender is supposed to be elite. You kind yeah, of want him at full strength. Exactly. And, like, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they were using Markstrom at, like, back-to-backs last year, too. Like, that's got to stop. Yeah, he played 63 games, I think, when I was just looking at it, which didn't sound as bad as it actually is in the modern NHL. Yes, exactly. And, like, I, because I remember listening to, um, excuse me, uh, Overdrive all the time, and uh, Jamie Newell's McLennan would just be going, like, 
nuts and like how happy he was that a guy was playing back-to-backs because like screw the analytics or whatever it's like yes well like this is why you don't screw the analytics so that he doesn't post a 9-0 or an 8-99 in the playoff series because he's absolutely exhausted by the end of the year yeah it's kind of an absurd thing to be happy about especially when you think of the injury risk <laughs> yes exactly like but, yeah i i don't know so there's our division so a little little different this time i mean we both have flames one edmonton two uh, I have Los Angeles three, Vegas four. I have both of them making the playoffs. So uh, Chase has Vegas three, Los Angeles four, uh, then Vancouver five, Seattle six, Anaheim seven. I have Anaheim five, Vancouver six, Seattle seven, and we both have the San Jose Sharks coming in last in this division. Um, this thank be you. The most we've ever disagreed on in anything. It's definitely been close. I mean, the, they are still mostly in the regular tiers. I would say. But yeah. Within tiers makes sense. Well, we want like four or five teams in our own different. I have a feeling next next week might be might be similar. The Metro is uh Metro could be yeah. an interesting one as well. Yeah, the Metro is a weird one. So um yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening. Obviously, we'll be doing the Metro next week and then the Atlantic in two weeks. Um, so that stay tuned for that. If you haven't listened to the Central, go listen to that one as well. Um, you can check all my work out at lastwordonhockey.com. I had a podcast breaking down the Tim Stutzler signing. So if you want, uh, we did a little bit on this podcast last week, but if you want a little more in depth, I have a, uh, about a 50 minute podcast um, talking about Stutzler, the decor for Ottawa branch drum, how he fits um, and how to shoot sites up into the cell basically. So um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66 chases work at actionnetwork.com. I saw Chase, you posted something today as well, if I'm not mistaken. Or yesterday, maybe? Yeah, I hit it up yesterday. It was um, it was about how much war tends to change with improvements in team quality. So uh, go check that out as well. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you all next week.